You're listening to Rust Belt Running. Running is what makes me realize that, like, I'm a human being who is worth something. That is not a good measurement of my value as a human. We get between eight and 10,000 additional comments, and I read every one of them. So you had to run Sand Run for your first. You become race director and take it out. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's got to be old guy naked in the locker room. I, I get to spend time with my friend Adam. I get to do something with my friend. Right now, I'm not thinking much beyond what I'm going to be drinking next week at this time. Coleslaw on a taco is not taco, it's barbecue. And so we'll be discussing tonight with some occasional swear words from Andrew because he's upset. And that's okay. I know him as the biggest Kid Rock fan around. You rap that. <laughs> oh, dear God. You're listening to Rust Belt Running. I'm Adam Wheeler. You can find me on social media at Wheels Up in CLE. Joined as I always am by Andrew Henniger. You can find on social media at Andrew Runs a Lot. If you want to find the podcast on social media, you can find us at Rust Belt Running. Andrew, we are back. How are you doing, bud? I'm fantastic, dude. Uh, it's it's Christmas time officially. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's winter. It feels like it's been winter for like officially. a month and a half. <laughs> Not officially, but and, yeah, it's, uh, it's cold. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, I I uh, uh, I'm mad at all of you guys. I'm mad at all of you who wished summer away. So many of you did. And, uh, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't give. I texted my track group uh, the other day after I finished a run outside, and I was like, what I wouldn't give for one of those, like, 95-degree humid days on the oh. hot track right now. I would just I, – and I never complained about it. I would say the heat got me. I would, I would say the heat beat me today. I would say things like that, but I would never be like, oh, my gosh, it's too hot. Can't wait for cooler weather. No, See, I don't want winter. I just want fall. Well, you don't get fall without this. So I know. Um, yeah, but whatever. That's what's been brutal about? Yeah, I'm pretty good. What's been brutal about this is it hasn't just been cold. It's been super windy. Yeah. And I did find a new to place to. General. I found a new place to hide hot hands in my gloves though, so that's good. Okay. Um, I have I have like a pair of gloves that has like the mitten that like tucks into. Like, above the top of the hand, you can pull the mitten out yeah. to give you a little extra. Oh, right well, in I there. Can, I can put a hot hand here That's on nice. my, like, where the mitten folds over. Yeah. And I can have one inside, so I get, like, because I, I have rain odds. So my, my, my hands get very cold very quickly. And I bought a pair of electric gloves that are decent, but they're massive. Um, right. And so they're not the most comfortable gloves to wear. Um, and it messes with like my GPS watch and stuff because it ha- it covers it because they're like they're like those gloves you wore when you were a kid. Yeah, you know they go like halfway up your forearm almost. They're just huge. Uh, but yeah, to find another place to hide some hot hands, it's pretty good. I have a huge box of hot hands too. Huge. I bought them for Akron and we didn't even need them. No, it was such a that man. That was perfect weather. Give me that. And that was. That was the warmest 42 degrees I've ever felt. Give me that. That was that was nuts. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Dude, I was super stoked. Uh, we got some big news this week. Um, so, in April, I'm flying to Boston to watch you run Boston. Uh, yeah. And... I also get to watch the greatest marathon runner of all time. Man. Elliot Kipchoge. I like, honestly, this is the year to not run. I, I was just thinking just like, go. man, <laughs> the one year I would love to watch the race, I'm not going to be able to watch the race. <laughs> right. Like, I'm going to have to get a, uh, I'm going to have to get like something to mount on the bike to watch like the stream so I can understand what's going on Yeah. Uh, in, in the race. Cause I, I, you know, I was texting you like, I'm excited to watch him, not just, you know, go out and just run hard on a flat looped course. Like right. we get to watch him run a tactical race. Like, yeah. What's that going to be like? Uh, and, and what, what do we get to witness? Is it going to be another form of greatness or is it going to be, you know, perhaps like a, a chink in the armor? Right. Um, 
And, oh, man, yeah, that's going to be cool. But just to be able to be within, you know, arm's reach of the greatest marathon runner of all time and, you know, maybe even get the chance to run into him at, like, a running event or something yeah. that weekend because we'll be there all weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, that's 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 pretty freaking sweet. Like, I'm really looking forward to that. I, I'm, like, just insanely jealous that I'm not going to have that opportunity to just be somewhere off to the side and watch him run by. Yeah. I mean, just what that has to look like in person. I, I, I try to, we've talked before about trying to, like, just conceive of what it means for him to do what he does. Just four thirty something miles just stacked up for 26.2 miles. And it breaks my brain trying to conceive of it on paper. And then you think about, like, what it's going to be like to watch that in person unfold. Um, I want to hear his feet. Like, yeah. how much force does he hit the ground with? You know, right. like, I want to hear that. Especially in those, out, the the next percents, like, because those things are loud as shit when they hit mm-hmm. the ground. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, I want to I hear the force that he hits and launches with. Like, oh, that's, uh, that's going to be something freaking special just to, just to witness him run past. That was, I, I was, mean, dude, that's a, that's a studded field, too. It is. It's crazy fast. Crazy good. Um... And it's, it's like you said, it's it's Boston. It's so out of what he normally does. I mean, obviously the Olympic races are built a little bit differently, but Berlin's fast and flat. London's fast and flat. He did Chicago years and years ago. I forget sometimes that he did Chicago. Um, I know I did too, which made me sad because we we, we had <laughs> we had some uh, we, we we had a dream that was quickly crushed um, when I was like, what if he goes and. Uh, runs Chicago because it yeah. feels like he's trying to round out the majors. He'd um, said at some point he wanted to. And, and I'm like, oh, what if he goes into Chicago? You're like, he did, he'll probably do New York. And I was like, he's done Chicago? Yeah, that was 2014. That was his yeah. first marathon win. Um, and that's why that's why people forget about it because he wasn't the household name that he is now. That was, he was just starting out and like, awesome, like, this guy came out and ran a really fast, awesome race, but you had no idea. I mean, how could you have ever conceived that this guy was just going to keep going out and just win race after race, train consistently? I, um, I've got some regulars that come up to the bar, and I was talking the other day. I hadn't seen them since I got into Boston. They haven't been in a while. And we were talking, and I was explaining to them how excited I was that Elliot's going to be there. And, like, trying to explain elite running to non-runners is difficult sometimes. <laughs> right. But I, I was saying, like, what's crazy about him is that it's not just that he wins these races. It's that he wins them consistently. He's able to train consistently. That's so hard for runners to do. Running is such an impact sport that it, it makes everything that he does just incredible because it's not easy to... Plenty of people have that sort of speed, but they can't stay healthy enough to, to show that speed consistently in the way that he's been able to. I'm looking at your face well, yeah. reactions. I don't know what you're looking at, but... I, I'm just... I'm amazed at... Uh, Evans Chibet, Capruto, and Elisa DeCiso, we get to watch race yeah. Elliot Kipchoge. And, I get and there's, to watch. You have to run behind him. Yeah, I'll be an hour behind. I'll be racing Elliot Kipchoge. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. and, and what's and interesting about that others. field, you've got people in that group that have won Boston. And with Boston being such a tactical race, it'll be fascinating to see how people like DeCiso try to play that to take Elliot out of his... Does he get out of a comfort zone? <laughs> yeah, it does. I don't. I don't know. I. Uh, oh man, I hope when he runs past me, he's putting the smile on someone. That's that's what I hope. I need to try to get like twenty two, and see if uh, see if he throws the Kipchoge smile down. Before we go any further, let's take a quick break to tell you a little bit about what we do with run coaching. Adam, why don't you tell us about it? It's personalized run coaching. It takes into account the schedule that you have to get your runs in, the goals that you have, as well as the base that you come to us with. You talk to us about what it is you want to be doing, the time that you have to do it, and we come up with a personalized plan that fits your needs, works on you towards your goals, and helps provide a bird's eye view on your training to make sure that you don't plateau, to make sure that you're doing the correct training that's appropriate for you, and to get you showing up on race day, confidence that you're going to be ready to hit your race goals. So to learn more about how we can help you hit your race goals, go to restbeltrunning.com. 
There you can find out about our different levels and coaching, find out more about us as runners and coaches, or you can support the show with buying merch, a sweatshirt, a patch that you can iron on to your singlet for that race that you're running soon. Maybe you don't want people knowing that you listen to us, but regardless, support the show. But for now, sit back and enjoy the rest of this episode. Okay, so let's move on. We wanted to talk about uh, technology a little bit. We're coming into the Christmas season. Yep. Um, So maybe uh, everybody's asking for stuff and maybe there's some some good items to grab or ask for and maybe there's some things we could just... uh, you know, leave by the wayside a little bit. And, uh, so we just thought technology would be a good place to a uh, good place to talk. So, yeah. initial thoughts on uh, running tech that we have because we have so much available to us these days. We do, and that's it's a double-edged sword because that technology can help you out in any number of ways with your training, tracking your training, uh, helping you understand pacing. Um, but it's a double-edged sword because with that comes a little bit of a possibility of over-relying on some of that tech. And I always look at it as you want to use technology as part of how you feel about your training, but you don't want it to be the end-all, be-all. I wear, I know you wear Koros, I wear a Garmin, and I think I have like the last Garmin watch that doesn't have training status. And uh, Sarah Hoover, her Garmin has training status. And she'll post sometimes. Yes, it does. And she'll she'll post you know like what her watch had to say about her training, and uh, you know it's it's a it's a good tool to let you know where you're at with your training. Uh, at the same time, I think something runners need to keep in mind is that those algorithms are are really perfect, and so you just want to be careful about how much you rely on some of that sometimes because you and I are very you and I are very much on the same page about needing to listen to your body. Um, I sent you a, a commercial the other day by Fitbit, and yeah. uh, in the commercial, Fitbit has apparently paired with Google. So the commercial starts out with this uh, talking about how like the world was unsearchable, and then there was Google, and the rhythms of the human body were invisible, and then there was Fitbit. And the first time I saw that commercial, I went, "Whoa, whoa, whoa I'm sorry, what? Like I'm a marathoner. I'm very much tied into the rhythms of my body because I'm constantly." going through periods of feeling great and periods of fatigue and it just a little light bulb went off in my head because like no you don't necessarily need a wearable to tell you about the rhythms of your body you just need to make sure that you're being in tune to some of the things going on with your body especially during training Uh, so I love my smartwatch I consider myself to be a very good pacer now in part because of the feedback I get from my smartwatch I just I just don't use that as the end-all be-all for my training because I think you get into I think you can get into some pitfalls thinking about, you know, your watch says, if your watch says your training was unproductive, it's really easy to go, oh, shit, what am I doing now? Yeah, you get, like, more into trying to get positive reinforcement from your watch. Like, it's all the same thing. Like, you know, we, um, you you know, we love social media for all the dopamine hits. You finish an awesome run, and you're you're looking for one more. I need need this. All before you upload it to Strava and get all these kudos and you know you're you're looking for all of this and yeah i think you know it's all great within a like in a moderation uh, yeah but but our our um you know just kind of our gluttonous world i think we we've lost the ability to moderate it sometimes in a healthy manner because yeah i mean you you have to be able to to uh listen to your body if you can't do that then you know you're you're not going to be as effective a runner as um, as you can be. Uh, I, I was I've been reading the uh, well, I started reading the book On Pace by uh, Jason Fitzgerald, and he uh, he it's a lot about learning to listen to your body again. Um, and he was on Matt Fitzgerald's podcast, the Strength Running podcast, a few months those ago, two. promoting the book. Did I I do it all the time? It's um, I do the same thing. A hundred. Uh, I it's the it's the thing where it's like. I'm pretty sure it's Matt, so I'm going to call him Jason because <laughs> I think it's wrong. Because I know I'm always wrong. So, all right. So, Matt Fitzgerald was on Jason Fitzgerald. Perfect. Yes. I'm, <laughs> there we go. See, I did it We again. respect both of you guys. You're really good. 
If one of y'all could just change your last name, that would really like help us. One of y'all go to Fitzsimmons or something. Like keep the Fitz there. Just we can't do that. Um, but uh, oh god. Uh, so yeah, but he's he's talking about um, there. There was a specific workout that he had brought up on this mm-hmm. podcast that I'm I'm going to use for myself and probably for our athletes too. But it involved basically chasing a sock in an amount of time on the ground like you run out at a specific yeah. effort mm-hmm. using your watch and you know but you now you're going to go find it in an amount of time running the same effort without using your watch to help you with pace just to under get your body understanding what pace you're running because we've become so reliant <laughs> on our watches um like we, we don't know what pace feels like. Even when, you know, I'm doing speed workout where I understand what the effort is supposed to be. I still find myself looking down and going, you know, every 200, I'm like, am I there? Am I, am I where yeah. I'm supposed to be when I'm, I'm bickering over, you know, two or three seconds on a 800 repeat. Right. Like whoop de do. Yeah. That's if I run it a second and a half slow, that's going to really mess up my, uh, my full marathon I'm going after, you know, like that's, I, I need to I need to be finding myself not trying to hit a perfect split um, and my splits will be more perfect if I do a better job just listening to my body and understanding where my effort is so it's all good to I think use as a guide but it should be more like the guardrails the Cleveland Browns had put up wait that didn't work out very well um Yeah. Deshaun Watson's starting today. I wasn't sure where you were going with this. He is. I don't I don't know. But they, they need you know, I think using that stuff as a guide to kind of like, you know, step back and you know, when we talk about run coaching, we talk about an overhead view. You know, it can give you that. It can give you a okay, this is that's what it felt like and I can see the data that, you know kind of confirms that i think that's different as opposed to in the moment looking for that constant feedback of am i where i'm supposed to be because your watch can't tell you that your your tech can't tell you that that needs to be your body um we have it backwards oftentimes yes well you know like talking about like you look for that hit of dopamine your watch telling you that the run was productive uh when you pitched this as a as an idea to talk about i started doing just a little bit of reading on some articles and one of the articles that I found uh, the author it was for runners world the author said I ran my second fastest marathon during this cycle and only one of my runs came up as productive (laughs) and you know then the author started to go into like different reasons why your watch might come out unproductive and part of it is that we tend to wear our watches just for our runs your body is going through other physical activities the rest of the day and if you're not wearing your watch to track those things it's not going to get a great shot of your overall level of fitness your overall level of activity i work a very physical job i'll run in the middle of marathon training i'll run an 18 mile run on a sunday and then i'll go to work and if it's a stressful shift at work i probably cover another seven eight miles at work in, in that shift that's a huge amount of physical activity that isn't being accounted for and then you have to add in your nutrition your sleep uh, elevation changes that might exist, um, a number of things that go into how your body is feeling that a watch isn't necessarily going to be able to track. Obviously, the makers have gotten better at accounting for more of those things, but it can't account for everything. So it's where it, it's good to have that, I think, that little bit of feedback, but it's got to be paired up with other things that you're, that you're able to keep track of that can let your body know, how, that you can use to make sure that you're being aware of how your body feels during training um i keep track of my resting heart rate it's one of the big things that i use to see where i'm at with training because heart rate resting heart rate can track um, or can be an indicator of you being not recovered fully enough from a workout or it can be an indicator of being into some sort of overtraining where you really need to back off um so what i typically do is i keep an average on my resting heart rate it's right now i'm in base training so it's around the low 50s and a couple days ago, I did a couple of runs. I did a 13-mile hill run, and I did an easier pace that day. I didn't really attack that run. The next day, I needed to get some miles in, so I did a 10-mile run, and I had some very gentle pickups in it, just something to get my legs turning over. 
nothing crazy. Like, I think I got maybe down to marathon pace, but it wasn't like what I would normally do with a fart, like where I do like 5K pace. I woke up the day after and I checked my resting heart rate. It was at 67. Way elevated. Like, the sort of, right. the sort of thing that tells you, like, if you have any sort of a run planned for that day and I didn't, it needs to be very, very easy. My body wasn't recovered. When I woke up the day after that, it was back down to 53. I was recovered enough. That alone, without needing any sort of tech other than just a watch that has a, a second uh, hand on it or just a stopwatch, can let you know where your training is at and a pretty good give you a pretty good bird's eye view of where your training is at. And you don't need a watch to tell you that. Right. I, I think, and I think when you're using technology to give yourself that feedback all the time, um, you can create an anxiety sure. uh, in yourself that, that makes it even more difficult. You know, uh, we, we talk often about the Growth Equation podcast. And, um, well, I mean, I've heard it on, uh, on um, Megan Featherston's podcast as well, where uh, Fuel for the, the Fuel for the Soul podcast, where, you know, sleep experts have, you know, said if you, if you start, you know, tracking your sleep and really obsessing over it too much and you end up creating a big a larger problem and mm -hmm. i i think that permeates more than just sleep yeah uh you, you know you're you become obsessed with data and it, yeah. it creates an anxiety that makes the metrics you really need to hit um it makes it more difficult to hit them i mean, I mean we've all been there and I mean, that's part of the reason I hate tempo runs because it's like the one time I, I really do run a little, I use my watch a little more because I'm running a pace that is not comfortable for me. And I'm trying right. to stay, um, I'm trying to stay in, in a specific pace zone, but sometimes I have to back it off understanding where my body's at that day. Sure. But, uh, you know, that those, uh, there, there's, there's an anxiety looking down at your watch frequently. And, and trying to be in something. Do you use different watch faces at all? Like, do you, I, your watch is a more bare yeah. version. So, I, but I'm curious if you have like, for different workouts, do you have different data screens or anything like that? No, it's the same screen. Um, it's gonna okay. be what my overall time is, what my overall mileage is, and then what the pace is. And I don't tend to deviate from that. Um, and, and really, I don't, I don't tend to look at my pacing too much on it. Outside of the, the two types of workouts I would do where pace is one of the goals. Um, right. you know, so either an interval or a tempo run. Um, but even there, like for myself and then for the athletes that we coach, like when we prescribe workouts that have some sort of a pace goal, you know, we also indicate like what are some things to watch for in the workout, mm -hmm. and we always use the word relaxed, because you want to be able to hit those paces, but do it in a relaxed state. Like if you've got to be going to the well to hit those paces, especially early in a workout, it's too much for you, right? Because you really like you're training to run and hold those paces for a long amount of time, and towards the end of a race, certainly you're going to be tensed up a little bit and grinding through because you just have the, the weight of the miles on your body at that point. But when you're running a marathon, you don't want to be running mile five grinding to try to hit your pace because you've still got a ton of miles in front of you. And so there's even in our coaching for ourselves and for our athletes, this, this feedback of like, you've also got to run not just by pace, but by feel, it's got to feel relaxed for you. So I'll occasionally glance at my watch, but I, really try to get more into a feeling. And just through 13 years of running, 12 years of running, I've gotten pretty decent at being able to pair what the feeling of running hard but relaxed feels like and being able to measure that against a pace that I'm hitting. So now I don't tend to. Now your watch, on the other hand, is much more complex. So I'm gonna guess because you asked me the question that you do have different watch faces that you use. I, um, well, I, I do and I, for, uh, Columbus, I had a watch face that was uh, distance, elapsed time, and my current lap pace. Okay. So I didn't, I didn't want my overall pace because I was going to be chasing something. Um, okay. I didn't want my current pace because it's inaccurate, and I didn't want to be, I don't want to be in a catch-up 
moment yeah. if I looked down and you know saw oh no it has me at 7:15 but I just right. ran under a bridge so it's you know I didn't want to be in that space uh, I got so you. that that was actually from uh, Matt Martin we kind of um, worked that one out together but okay. it, it worked out very well um, I am excited I. I can't confirm what I'm getting for Christmas, but I did ask for the Koros Pod 2, which okay. is um, it's a pod that's supposed to help to increase uh, GPS accuracy even in like downtown areas, um, under bridges and stuff like that. Okay. Um, also, it should help on the treadmill, which would be really nice because right now I just set my pace on my watch. I don't like get any actual um it's not like it actually is like tracking me i just set the pace and it just goes by time yeah so it could, i could be making it all up is basically what i'm saying but i would like to actually be able to you know change the speed on the treadmill when i work out at the gym and not have to change it on my watch as well because it's kind of cumbersome to do it that way but it's i i think i got it because there was a package the other day addressed to my wife from oh. koros so I didn't open it. I just saw who it was from. That's all. But I, it's a it's a, a pretty neat piece of technology that I'm excited to get. Unpaid um, advertisement. I can't give a testimonial on it yet because I haven't used it. So Christmas time should be fun. But that's uh, that's something I'm interested in. But you know, as we're kind of dogging technology a little bit, it's to increase some accuracy of the metrics that I do use. Um, but I don't, I used to be like a big data nerd worried about, uh, you know, like ground contact time. And like, I just wanted every piece of data I could use. And okay, honestly, I just don't, not that there isn't value in it, mm -hmm. but if you don't understand how to safely and correctly make adjustments to it, it becomes a hazard. Which, uh, I'm sorry, as you're talking about Koros, I was curious to know what watch you wear. Uh, I have the Pace 2. Okay. I had the a the original Apex, and okay. then that uh, th th did not like the salt water uh, in the Bahamas last year. Oh. Yeah, so, but no, I, I traded it in, and I got the Koros Pace 2, which is, I, I love, I love my... I love my chorus, but then I'm adding the pod, the chorus pod to, to it. When uh, I think. I think when when I get to the point where this Garmin goes, I'll probably make the switch over to Koros. Um. Because everybody that I know that has a Koros absolutely raves about it, and I think I like some of the features that I've seen for the Koros. Um, I wanna I wanna back up to something you were saying about how. Um, you can go a little too hard into like tracking with technology and that if you don't really know what to do with it, that can be, it can be cumbersome for you. Um, I, I keep a running log and really the only thing that I truly track and it's, it's very like bare bones is, um, for every day that I run, I either give it uh, a highlight with a green highlighter, a highlight with a, a pink highlighter, or I just don't highlight it at all. And what I do for that is the green indicates it was a kick-ass run. Run went great. I hit everything. The body felt good. Fantastic. If I don't highlight it at all, it was just so-so. Like most of my recovery runs, easy runs, I don't really, there's no goal for those runs. So I don't really do anything with it. And then if a run really, really went bad, it'll get the, the pink highlight, the stop highlight. And all I really do with that is that's based on like how well did the run go, how did I feel, and did I hit the run's goal? So like did I run a tempo run and I got through it but my body felt like absolute crap? If I do that, I give that a little red slash. And then I'll just keep any notes about what might be going on. Because if enough of those start to stack up, something's wrong. Like I'm, I'm out ahead of my training, I'm trying too hard. Am I nursing an injury that I don't know about? Am I sick and I don't really realize it, but my body's battling something? Um, and it's kind of a combination of subjective and objective data because usually when those runs go bad, I'm not going to hit my paces. Like the run's going to fall apart and holy crap, this was bad. What am I doing? Um, but it's kind of a nice way to just be able to quickly go through the book. And if something comes up like a week or two later, I can go back and be like, oh, shoot. Well, I had 
I had three days that were pink highlights. Something's going on and I wasn't aware of it. Do I need to back off? So it's uh, it's one of those areas where it's like I don't track too much because I don't want to be tracking too much. I really keep it to try. I'd really try to keep it to mostly like pace and effort. Um, but I think it's a good way of using those in conjunction with knowing how my body feels so that I can start to get an idea if things pop up down the road, what might have led to it. Um, but it's like, how, how much do you need to track with that? Right. And that's where it's like too much data becomes cumbersome. Because how much, like you talked about like ground contact time, like what do we really know to do with ground contact time? <laughs> I'm sure for elite athletes, like with people that have sports scientists that are paid to track this stuff, exactly. sure, absolutely go with that. But how many of us know that? Um, when I read Scott Fobble's book, he, they keep track of heart rate variability at, uh, at Hoka Nas Elite. And so for a very short amount of time, I was like, oh, yeah, like maybe I should do that. Heart rate variability, for those that don't know, is if you actually like use a um, – if you use a, a – like you can use an app to track your heart rate. And if you do that, you'll notice that when you breathe out, your heart rate tends to come down a little bit. And when you breathe in, it tends to go up. And the difference there is heart rate variability. And when I saw that Hokanaz Elite was tracking, I'm like, oh, oh, like maybe I should look at that. And so for like a week I did it and then I read up on it and it basically came down to like, hey, yeah, like some people look to train with this, but if you really don't know what you're tracking, it's not worth it. I just threw it out. Like why even waste time? I mean, that's everything. Like, yeah. and that's, it's, it's what I don't, I don't quite understand. Like, I, I think it's, we, we have so much data available to us and we just don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Like, I mean, even you and I who, you know, have, you know, read for a decade about running and, um, you know, are now coaching athletes, I don't know what to do with half of this. Yeah. Like, I understand what so much of it is, and I can understand the effects, good and bad, of what the data may mean, but how do we make an appropriate adjustment? Yeah. And, and, and I think unless you have somebody teaching you, you're going to try to make an adjust. Like even cadence, let's just look at that. Like mm -hmm. we have cadence available to us. We, we, we know what the number is supposed to be, which again is kind of a, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, arbitrary number. Like yeah. that's not going to be the same for everybody, even though we, what 180 is what you want to be. I don't think I've ever been there and I'm running better than I have. But if you try to make an adjustment to get yourself there, like at the drop of a hat, you're going to hurt yourself. Like, and, and this is where I say, you know, it's not just cumbersome, it can become hazardous Yeah. if you don't know what you're doing. Because if you try to make an adjustment to your stride without any kind of guidance on what adjustments to make, whew, that's a recipe for disaster. And if you try to do it at the drop of a hat, like if we notice something in one of our athletes and we're in the middle of a training cycle. I'm not gonna change. I'm not gonna make any change to your form or anything like that in the middle of a training cycle. We might do that in the fall to get you ready for a spring race. <laughs> you know, where yeah. we need months. We need months of non-training to fix um, so some of those, um, you know, neurological uh, issues that may be there. But I'm not. What are you doing with the data? Well, and that's where there's this line that you have to watch, which is you don't want to fix something just because the measurement says you should fix it. Right. You want to do it because there's cause to fix something. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, when I started running, I was a heel striker. And I dealt with a bunch of injuries in the first couple of years of running. And I did a little bit of reading, a little bit of research, and, and you know, cadence came up because uh, I dealt with IT band syndrome. And cadence is one of the things that sometimes... Uh, people will talk about in terms of like if you shorten your stride a little bit, it will r decrease some of the pressure and, and can decrease uh, issues with IT band syndrome. And over like a long period of time, I worked on changing my form and I became more of a midfoot striker. And I never, I haven't, knock on wood, dealt with IT band syndrome since. So there was an actual issue that I had yeah. that led me to go like, oh, maybe there's changes to form and cadence that I need to work on. It didn't come around from like, hey, I need to change my cadence because people tell me I need to change my cadence. You don't want to just start chasing measurements for the sake of chasing measurements. Cause right. one, what's the right measurement to chase? And two, you can actually, like you said, do more harm 
than good Three, because is, you're is the measurement the even accurate yeah like uh, and that that's we're, we're banking it all on these watches i mean yeah. and it's like I, no you're not you're not gonna get my stride length perfect you're not even you're up here you're going off my arm swing you're assuming everybody has the same arm swing or you're learning yeah. it over a period of time which i mean my arm swing changes based on the workout how i'm feeling i shrug my shoulders a lot when i run <laughs> like I, yeah. I do stupid shit all the time. If I'm on the treadmill, I am air drumming. <laughs> like 100%, <laughs> I am playing air guitar and air drumming on the treadmill, even at the gym. I yeah. have to look like a moron. Uh, but uh, you know, it's like, yeah. How's it? Uh, does my coros take into account my air drumming when I'm <laughs> on the treadmill? <laughs> like that should that should give me an option to select. Um, air drive. like how many beats per minute <laughs> how many beats per minute is the music I'm listening to based on my air drumming um, yeah I, I don't know. It's, it's imperfect data and we're trying to apply it imperfectly which is obvious it, it, it's not math it's not a double negative that becomes a positive it, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a double negative that becomes exponentially more negative um so yeah, is there I any data then? Good stuff. Is there any data then that you think is worth tracking or really being reliant on? I don't. Re- I personally don't rely on any of it. Okay. Um, I, I will. I like to see the graphs after workouts to kind of understand. It kind of maybe gives me a little bit of coach feedback in a way. Okay. Um, and sometimes I can match up to, okay, yeah, that is, that is what this felt like, you know, um, or I can maybe see where things got a little rough, especially when it comes to pace. But like, I, I will, I think I look at a pace graph more than I look at anything else. I might kind of look at my heart rate be like, okay, yeah, that seems about right. But like pace, I can kind of see what happened throughout a run. Okay. It felt harder here, but I picked up the pace and didn't realize it. That's, that's why it felt more difficult. I don't use cadence hardly at all. Nothing else. I, I become, I used to want every piece of data I could, and now I'm just more basic with it than I've ever Yeah. Been. Well, and actually, I think, like, you might not think of it as data, but, you know, something you and I both use in our own training, and we certainly utilize it as, like, a core tenet of our coaching, is just the concept of, of 80-20 in your running. Yes. Uh, and for anybody that isn't familiar with this, it's the idea that 80% of your running should be at an easy pace, uh, 130 to two minutes slower than probably goal marathon pace is, mm-hmm. is the rough benchmark to it. And then 20% should be considered hard. Um, you know, these would be interval workouts, race pace workouts, hill workouts, things like that. Uh, and, and where that idea comes from is essentially across different sports you find that one is that as a pretty good performance indicator of elite athletes. And two is that it's a performance indicator that keeps athletes at an elite level healthy. When athletes tend to go further beyond that and start getting into the 25, especially like into the 30% ranges, that's when injuries start to happen. You start to deal with overtraining and breakdown. So, you know, like if you're planning out your own individual training or working with coaches, um, I know you and I don't necessarily look at as heart rate on runs per se as like being kind of, a catch-all in terms of what to watch for, but there are paces that correspond with lower heart rates, and easy pace tends to correspond to a lower heart rate that you should be aiming for with your training. Um, and then I mentioned resting heart rate. Like if you were, if you want a really good snapshot of where your body's at, resting heart rate's a pretty right. good idea to go after. But even that, I'm not religious about tracking. I'll kind of do like a check-in. So I guess we're saying basic is good. Basic <laughs> is very good. I think it makes it more fun too, because you're not so worried about everything. But you you just have to learn to listen to your body. Is there any? Yeah. So you have a watch. Is there any other tech that you have that you use, or not really? You don't even not, have carbon plated shoes. I don't. No. No. Um, I really I sent don't. I said you something the other day. Are you sure you don't fit into a six and a half? I'm. You got I'm pretty 100% small feet. Sure. I, I do. They're not that small. Like that would that would be a performance detractor <laughs> in my racing, trying to squeeze into I, those shoes. I was so excited. I found a pair of the Brooks Hyperion, and I was like, 
and they were on Running Warehouse, and they're originally like two twenty five. These were like eighty nine dollars. I was yeah. like, holy shit! So like, I, I snagged a picture. I sent him to Adam, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, that's the only size they have." I look at the photo, and it's six and a half. I was like, "Oh <laughs> shit! Yeah, those are like kids' shoes." I mean, they were, of course, men's and women's are the same. Yeah. So that's yeah. No, I which is- I had seen that they had Hyperions on sale a while back, and I was I was watching for it. But they only had like extremely small or extremely large sizes, and now it's just one size. Um, so yeah, no, I've it's you and I talked about carbon plated shoes way back when, and I was originally pretty down on the idea about ever using it for myself. Too. Yeah, I, I've come around to it because it we're at the point now where pretty much everybody who's racing has them, um, and now that that playing field is leveled, it's like well, okay, like if they're available, I'm more than happy to use them if I want. I just don't know that I can see myself spending $250 on shoes. At least uh, yeah, I, feeling good about where I'm at with my racing. I was I was in the same boat where I was like, yeah, no, I don't. I Like, I, I like the purity of running. I always have. And, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, if, if, if everybody else is going to be using these carbon shoes, then I'm going to do it too. I haven't... I have three pair now, but I've gotten them. Well, one I did not get on sale. Um, I bought my my New Balance uh, Pacers, which are mm-hmm. the basically the road flat carbon fiber shoe, which I use for my track workouts. I did run a five k in them. I didn't love it for mm-hmm. my turkey trot, um, but uh, I didn't hate it either. I just I wish I would have had. I wish I'd have worn my elites, which are my current shoes that hold my half and full PRs, which is really exciting. But I think they're they're about ready to retire. Um, but then I have a pair of the Saucony Endorphin Pros, which they put on crazy sale when I had my tonsils out. So you yes. do a crazy sale. I'm laying in bed with my throat hurting, and I'm gonna. And yeah, yeah. it's all I did. It's all I did for like three days was just watch. Ted Lasso and um, solid choice. Shop shop for shit online. That was it. So for you, it's shoes, watch, possibly the Coros Pod. Santa will let you know. Is there anything else yes. you use? Uh, yeah. No, I don't think so. I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I don't even listen to music. What size shoe are you? I think my Brooks are eights. Eight. Wow, you do have teeny tiny feet. I do. Uh, yeah, 193.55 on Amazon. Yeah. Do I don't like going to Amazon. Amazon doesn't tend to have very good sale. You've like the right thing at the right time. Yeah. Well, they have they have some sizes are like 125.99. That's why yeah. I because when I just Google shopped, which is generally what I'll do. Um I uh yeah, it took me there, but uh you yeah, 125.99 would work, but whatever. It's not I'm spending your money here, not mine. <laughs> <So> <laughs> makes it a whole lot different. It's very uh, easy when it's not yours. Yeah, I'd love to see you in a pair of carbon fiber shoes and see uh see what that does for you cuz I mean, I do think I will say I think it absolutely makes it I think where it makes the biggest difference is I didn't notice maybe a performance gain in the sense that it makes you faster. Would you hear the term propulsion a lot when they're talking yeah. about the carbon fiber? Um, when you're, especially the dual plates, which I don't have a dual plate pair mm-hmm. of shoes. Um, I don't have like the next percents or anything like that, um, which I've heard the new ones suck. They're just not comfortable. Um, really? But that, that's, that's what I've heard. I've heard a lot of people complain about them not being comfortable. Uh, but, I mean, well, when we had Chris Gutierrez on, too, he was talking about that with the old ones. It caused a lot of calf problems because it really forces oh, yeah. you onto the front of your feet. Um, but uh, I think where the, the carbon fiber plate really helps you is those really late stages of the race. Um, like, it really does minimize the fatigue. Yeah. As, which that's relative that's speaking very relatively the fatigue yeah. is still absolutely there but uh 
I think really in the recovery afterwards too, though. I think it allows you to maybe get back to running a little quicker. Um, but I, you know, I, after I race, I want to take some time off anyways. I mean, I'm still only doing two, three days a week working out right now. So um, it's time to get back to more. Yeah, I, I'm, it's funny. Like I'm at that point where I'm, I'm kind of putting the last touches on base building and then uh, training for Boston starts the day after Christmas, like by true training plan. Yeah, you're pretty I'm supposed much to run today, but I've also got a, I've also got some business things to do. Erica, Erica starts her Tokyo training tomorrow, so I've got to upload that, and I've got to create her invoice, and all these little oh, things yeah. I got to do. Yep, we got to start. It's, a, money it's all good money, stuff. So. Like this is this is the fun stuff. Like it was, I was I was jazzed the other day when she texted me and said, "All right, December." December 5th, it's time to get to work. I'm like, yes, yes it is. And I, I already knew kind of like what her training was going to look like, but I had to sit down and kind of really get a, some time just to think about it. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to start year two. Yeah. Year two with coaching yeah, is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, this is, yeah, I know I'm really looking forward to it too. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to, uh, I'm hoping to see some new athletes come our way and, you know, see some good results. Um, been in contact with a few people that uh yeah. you know hopefully we get some get some good stuff get through these holidays and get moving towards some awesome springs and it, it seems like a lot of people are looking at the fall i think everybody's kind of over spring races at this point like a, almost everybody yes. i've talked to like coaching yeah. or not it's like if you're not doing boston yeah let's I, like a lot of people glass city half cleveland half yeah i'm hearing a lot of that and then yeah yeah, something big in the fall. Okay. It's exactly the same the same feedback that I've been getting. You know, every every athlete that I coached, Erica's finishing off her her world major marathon six star. So she's had that locked oh, in for. I mean, she's been trying to run Tokyo forever. This has been yeah. the race from hell for her. Um, but everybody else that I coached, JP was like, yeah, I don't really know that I want to really do a lot of hard training through winter. So half in the spring and then kill the fall. Sarah's He's, in the same dude. Boat. You and JP are the same person, though, because you're like, I, I don't really want to train. And you're both just like, your version of like paired back is like 90% versus 95%. Like, it's the same training. Like It's why JP and I get along so well with this. Like, you guys are the same person. Like, it's so funny. Um, I, I've just, I've noticed that because... You know, the athletes that we know are coming back, I haven't turned them off of our final surge because I, you know, it's just easier just to keep them there. And it's kind of fun to see what some of them are doing in the, in their downtime in the off season. And, um, I, uh, yeah, I just love seeing JP like still out there just killing it all the time. It just take, I mean, there is still a level of, I'm just doing what I want to do. Um, and I think that's awesome, but yeah. it's just, it's just funny. So, all right. Well, I think it's uh, I think it's time for us to wrap this, uh, put a little bow on this, and wrap this up. I think we're gonna um, next week we are going to um, have an interview with our new friend of the pod, Samantha Smith. Longtime um, listener. That's good to know. Longtime listener. She makes that very clear, bringing yes. up um, multiple things about our podcast throughout our hour conversation <laughs> with her. Um, it, it was a lot of fun and we, uh, you know, we know you're going to enjoy it. So make sure you come back next week for that. And then I think, uh, we're probably going to be doing kind of a recap of 2022 and really look forward to 2023 here at the end of the year as well. So, um, if we don't come back, uh, we hope that everybody has a great holiday and time with family, but I'm sure we'll be here to talk about what's oh, next. Oh yeah. 2020, 2023 is going to be... I haven't talked too, too much about it on the pod. I've give, I've, we've dropped some hints, but yeah. we know Chicago's in there, but we haven't talked too much about everything else. But it's going to be uh, it's gonna be fun. Yeah. Yeah, you it got, is. You got boss. You, we, we got, oh. We're going to do some majors, man. I got my running board behind me. I figured this was better background than what I had before. I don't have a lot of great setup in my apartment for a no, background, it, unfortunately. But... Right, right up top underneath where I track my workouts. Oh, 
I can see I'm, the picture of you and me. Like if you turn around, it, like if you slide to your slide to the right, um, I can see the picture of you and me at uh, when you were thrashed after Pittsburgh. Oh, very and much. I look just fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing what thirteen point one miles will do. Uh, well, but no, right I, underneath where I track my workouts. Hey, I will. I will still say the picture of you and me after I did Columbus. I looked fine too. I did. I did not. I did not Columbus doesn't trash. have those hills, man. <laughs> it's not just the thirteen point one miles. It's the. It's what was in those thirteen point one well, miles. The the weather has an impact yeah. on that too because yeah, it, it was rainy for you. It was perfect for me. Yeah. Uh, but I was. It was very, very similar emotion, um, yeah. very different um, feeling. Feeling. Well, and you <laughs> know what? You, you also, you, you hit Boston. Like, you knew yeah. you had. There's a difference, too, in that. Like, I'm just like, man, that was a really good race. I had an awesome yeah. PR. You're like, holy fuck. Everything I've put my life into for thir- That's different. <laughs> like, yeah. And that, that was really very much is, the feeling. Yeah, that's that's you know win an NBA championship after years of trying level like that. That's I was I'm happy to be here, <laughs> you know glad we got here. Let's see what's next. Like that's kind of what what mine was. See, I'm gonna look a little better because it maybe wasn't. It was very emotional. I cried, but it was not. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't emotionally wrecked like you were. I was, and that's why on my board it says I'm running the fucking Boston Marathon right up top. Her- you're gonna you're gonna take the start line with Elliot Kipchoge. That's and right. We're racing, wait. and then don't just wave. <laughs> it sucks because they used to um, they used to have the men go out right ahead of the first wave where I'll be in, and they've changed the schedule now. So the elite men take off, I think, about forty minutes before the first wave goes out. So all right. I don't even know, so, if, I don't even know if I'll be there. Um, real quick, uh, breaking news, even though this is going to be posted in a week. Um, we're going to be playing the University of Georgia, officially. I really hoped we were just going to immediately get the rematch, because I, uh, we're not, uh, no, uh, we can't talk about it. That was my hope. I don't want to talk about why. That was my hope. It's okay. And, uh, I guess we'll just see what happens. You got to get there and then just see what happens. You know what? 2014, everybody was predicting doom and gloom then, too. This feels a little more like a couple years later when we played Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl. But we'll no. Just... <clears throat> no, I don't think so. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Adam, um, I will see you soon. Talk to you soon. Um, make sure you go to restbeltrunning.com. Check us out. You can buy some merch. We just launched some gift cards, too. So if, uh, you know, you want to let somebody choose what they want to buy or, you know, help somebody get get some run coaching, uh, there you go. Or ask for it yourself. Um, but, yeah, thanks so much for listening, everybody. And uh, enjoy those miles.